minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. If you're called away, if nature calls, if you lose consciousness, if the bikey next door needs a cup of sugar for his meth lab, don't despair. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Dot org dot au. That's 3cr.org.au. Wonder what anarchy is all about? It's about creating a society without rulers. Not without rules, without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? By devolving power and holding wealth in common. Simple concepts. Simple concepts. How do you devolve power? By creating a society based on direct democratic principles where the people involved in the decision make that decision and then elect or appoint delegates to coordinate those decisions at a local, state, federal and even international level. Budget week. Are you excited? Are you excited? I remember the Victorian state government had a budget last week and everybody's forgotten about that and maybe everybody will forget about this budget, but they won't because budgets are important. Now, look, I like to simplify things because... Most things in life are pretty simple. I mean, we like to think we live in a complex, technologically driven society, but things are simple. A budget. You all know what a budget is. Some of you have one. Some of you don't. Some of you run out of money before the next payback or the next uh, you know, uh, Social Security payment. So a budget is a simple concept where a group of people or an individual determines how they will share the resources they have for that week, that fortnight, that year. And a federal budget is the same thing. You think of us all as part of a family, the Australian family. Now, in your own budget, and especially those of you who've got uh, children or dependents, will understand that it's not about me, 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 me. Well, it shouldn't be about me, me, me. A budget is a way of distributing the income that comes into a unit. All right? Now, income obviously comes in many ways. So the don't be frightened about the Australian budget, about Mr Scott Morrison, you know, budget, it's a very simple concept to look at. And what you look at is the essence, the spirit, the soul of the budget. 
And this budget basically is another Ponzi scheme, you know? It's all based on growth. Growth, growth, growth. Growth and jobs. Increasing population growth, increasing jobs, increasing income and whippy doo and more taxation revenue. But unfortunately, many of the projections which are made of the budget are pretty rubbery. If I made those type of projections, I'd be hauled through the courts. But they're the government. They can do it. So let's look at it. Let's look at it. The centrepiece of the budget is so-called tax cuts. Tax cuts. Tax cuts of about $10 a week after the... uh, for the next financial year, and that legislation will obviously go through both Houses of Parliament, as both the Labor Party and the Liberal Party have agreed on that. And then there is a, this plan to introduce a flat tax for people earning between 40000 and $200,000 a year. I think it's about 34.2% or 35.4%. do not quote me on the exact number. So a tax rate. We've always had a tax rate in this country which is based on the ability to pay. Now, don't be confused with the idea of a a wage and wealth because we live in a society where those with wealth, which basically means disposable income, which means money you have left over after you look after your basic human needs, have been gifted legislation which allows them to legally minimise their tax. So although a lot of people may have $100,000 income, those with disposable income may have wealth which is legally minimised through negative gearing, through being able to offset losses on the stock market as a loss, and the list goes on and on. So when you talk about tax cut and a flat tax between $40,000 and $200,000, the only people this affects are those people who don't have the ability or the desire to offset their income, to legally minimise their taxable income by using this country's investment-friendly laws. That's the 8% of Australians who, at the end of the week, have income to invest. Very simple. Very simple concept. So although somebody may be earning, may declare $150,000 taxable income, They may have wealth, which extends to millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars if you look at the corporate sector. So these so-called tax cuts, which will come in over the next seven to ten years, are basically illusory because they have no impact, no impact whatsoever on the investment class in this society because they have the capacity to legally minimise their tax. So that's the first thing to remember. 
What else does it say, the budget, about the Australian family? Now, if you've got a, a child in your family, you know, who's having difficulties, you don't say, well, mate, you're having difficulties, it's your problem, pull yourself up by the bootstraps or piss off, okay? Well, some people may, but majority of people don't. They do the best they can to look after the needs of the people they are emotionally, intellectually, financially responsible for. Most people do the right thing and attempt to share that income around. Not this budget. If you're working, you get a a tax deduction, an illusory tax deduction. If you have disposable income, you get a tax deduction, (laughs) although you've minimised your tax through the taxation system legally. But if you've got an issue, you can't find a job or you're involved in casualised part-time employment, it's tough luck. Tough luck. Tough love. It's basically called cruelty. So the idea is, with a new start allowance, you make life so difficult for individuals, you either push them into a life of crime, you push them into a some type of uh, psychological, psychiatric crisis, or you push them into, in the great majority of cases, into casualised, part-time, poorly paid, dangerous work. And all these new jobs they crow about are basically part-time, casual, poorly paid jobs which have no ability, the people involved in those jobs, have no ability to bargain to improve their, their wage rate. Then when you look at the way the budget has been distributed, you realise there's really nothing in it for pub- nothing new in it for public education. There's nothing new in it for the health, public health. There's nothing whatsoever, nothing whatsoever for housing affordability, zil, rien, nothing. There's nothing there for new start allowances and people on on uh, disability support pensions or single parents' benefits. But the baby booners, me, me, I'm dancing in the streets today because of the budget. I can work till I'm 90 and earn $50 extra a week. Or I can go and get a job. My employer will get a rebate for employing old people. And why is it so, boys and girls? Because if you look at the demographic of this country, more and more people are in the over 55 bracket. And historically, the over 55s are the ones that are most swayed by the fear of living an old age with no income. And they tend to be conservative. If you look at the voting figures, it's quite normal for 60 to 65% of the over 55s to vote for the Liberal National Party. So you do a few things to make it seem as if you're going to make the life of the over 50, you know, pensionable age group better. 
You don't mention the fact that you've extended the pensionable age from 65 to 67 or 68. And you don't mention the fact that because of privatisation that the prices of utilities have skyrocketed through the roof. And you don't mention the fact of the predatory nature of the corporations which control the nursing home and residential care sector. You don't mention that. And you don't mention the fact of increasing costs of health care as fewer and fewer doctors uh, bulk bill, not because they don't want a bulk bill, but because it's becoming economically economically uh, impossible for many smaller clinics to bulk bill. And you don't mention the fact that the rates have gone up if you own a property and you're elderly. You don't mention any of that fact. You say, you go out there and get into the workforce, get into some poorly paid, casualised job, your employer gets a bit of extra, and you can earn $50 a week extra until your pension payments are, you know, you know, reduced. Hallelujah. And then, brothers and sisters, yes, it is a religious revivalist meeting, and I'll explain that later on, and brothers and sisters, boys and girls, and then you can get the government to give you a reverse mortgage, which means is you can eat up your assets in order to supplement your lifestyle. So really when you look at it, it's not much of a budget. It's not a family budget. Now, they didn't use family-friendly this time, did they? Not family-friendly. It's not a budget that you'd expect you know, if, we, if we are a family, which obviously we're not, because obviously there's a small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. That's 1% of society. There's the 8% of society who are a part of the investment class. It's good for them. So think about it. If you maybe, you know, if you're a baby boomer, at retirement age, you're retired. Maybe you think, well, let's vote for the Liberal National Party. They're nice people. They look after the elderly. Well, maybe if you ignore the youth, if you ignore young people, if you ignore public, public education, maybe there'll be increased insecurity. In society, increased crime. It doesn't matter how many jails you build. As the English found out when they started this colony in 1788 by sending convicts to Australia to set up the first settlement, that maybe what you need is a change in the focus of society where you're more willing to assist younger members of society to establish themselves, not penalise them. So think about it. Think about it. It's really is a non-entity. It really is. Are we seeing a little bit of pressure on the corporate sector in the budget? No. Are we seeing a redistribution of wealth in the budget in an equitable sense? No. But it is about growth, isn't it? Extraordinary. But there will be people out there who will think it's nice and beautiful and think they'll be able to keep their picket fence and their rose garden, you know, out of the hands of the young. And there's others of us who think this is a very 
retrograde step to take. So it's up to you. You can put up with it. You can turn on the TV, surf the net, become a clicked activist, or you can join us, become an activist with a capital A. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, there has been other news this week, which is fascinating. And I'm fascinated by the Murray-Darling Basin Project. Now, those of you who do a little bit of travelling will know the Murray-Darling River. And it's seen better days. Well, there was a bit of water last year. We've seen better days in that there's been this continual debate and tugging to and fro between people who want to use the water for irrigation and other, you know, uh, business practices and those who want to return a little bit back to the environment. And it looks like the Liberal National Party and the Labor Party have finally come together on something and they now will be supporting a bill which will reduce the amount of water which is saved by about 20%. The amount of water which would have been pumped back into the Murray-Darling by about 20%. Not that there was any effort to actually put water back into the Murray-Darling. This $13 billion Murray-Darling scheme is about what they call water efficiency. That's the new buzzword, efficiency, you know, efficiency, water efficiency. And what that means is that farmers were being given money to save water by updating their irrigation plants and their channels and whatever. And half of the savings would go to them and half of the savings would go back to the river. Now, even that wasn't good enough. Now, we've got the situation where there's even less of that water which is saved which will be going back to the river. But that's the beauty about living the land of the, you know, of milk and honey Nature will provide. Nature will provide. When the Murray-Darling and those of you who've been to the mouth of Murray-Darling, it's a little bit sad to see a river that kind of goes nowhere. You know, when those hundred-year droughts and that climate change comes into force, maybe this short-sighted decision could be reversed. But it may be too late. And that's the dilemma about living in the land of the brave and the free. Oh, sorry, I got confused with the United States of America there. Now, if, now, the one thing I loved about the budget is the fact they were going to, you know, really, really screw down on welfare rorters. You know, the word welfare, you know how I feel about the word welfare. Disgusting term, demeaning term, should be outlawed. These are social security benefits which are provided by the community to ensure that not only that people have the basic necessities of life but to ensure that there is order 
social security. There is order in the community because there aren't gross inequalities in, in wealth. But we like to use the word, well, they like to use the word welfare, right? So they're going to screw down. They're going to screw down on the rorts. What rorts? I mean, I think there are less than a 1,000 people from over, I think it's 7 million, who is, 7.5 million who receive Social Security benefits who actually were prosecuted in the courts last year. Most of the savings they make is by frightening people, by screening them and frightening them. But going back to this Social Security war, now I know a real rort, and I want you to get onto this rort because it's legal. There's only one problem. One problem only. You need money to get the goodies. The way the social security system works today is if you ain't got the resources, you don't get the goodie. You get your new start allowance, your disability support pension or whatever, half of which which is eaten up in rent because there's no public housing. And I'll talk about that in a minute. So this is the situation we find ourselves in. You right? So, what's the rorts I'm talking about? What are the rorts? Where are the real rorts? Because we all hear about those horrible, drug-addicted, dirty, disgusting people who receive, in inverted commas, welfare payments in the corporate-owned media day in and day out. And I love to hear our political masters and our corporate masters, when they open their mouth, talk about the welfare recipients, the dull bludger, the man or the woman of the Mediterranean back who doesn't really deserve a disability support pension. And I can see... I can see the dribble run down their faces, the side of their mouths as they're talking about these evil, evil Satan worshippers out there who are bleeding the country dry. Well, you see, boys and girls, men and women of Australia, children of Australia, sorry to Gough Whitlam for taking your line, but you're dead, so it doesn't really matter, does it? Well, you know who the real fraudsters are? You know who are the real people who are ripping off welfare, inverted commas? The people who are getting the bulk of Social Security in this country? It's the rich. And I'm not talking about negative gearing, where you get tax deduction from if you've got more than one house. And I'm not talking about, you know, dividend franking imputations where you get a tax deduction although you don't actually pay tax. And I'm not talking about the ability to offset your losses on the stock market, on your income, so that your taxable income is legally minimised. I'm talking about those bludgers out there who open their mouths every day and look down on people receiving Social Security benefits from the government as if there's some type of low life that doesn't, doesn't you know, shouldn't be existing in this country. I'm talking about all those rich bludgers and those middle-income bludgers who are not, you know, quite happy, quite happy while they've got a job to piss on 
the unemployed and people on disability support pensions and everybody else. I'm talking about these real bludgers. And I'll I'll tell you how it goes. And again, if, if I am telling you a lie, you tell me. And I'll give you my phone number, 0439 395 489. You don't want to phone me? You can always email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can, uh, you know, you can look at my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. You won't find out what I'm eating, but you will find out what I'm thinking. Toscano for the Public. Send me a message. Become a friend. I need friends. Virtual friends. I don't want real friends because then you have to be pleasant to them, don't you? Virtual friends. So let's go back to these bludgers. Well, the first thing is you send your kiddies to a private school because you've got the disposable income. Well, guess what? The taxpayer helps to decrease your private school fees. That's right. We give money to private schools in this country. Extraordinary. Isn't that a social security benefit for the rich? Then we have, as I spoke before, about negative gearing. Where the more homes you buy, the less tax you pay. Isn't that a social security benefit for the investment class? Then you've got private health insurance, which people are forced into if their income is above a certain level. Another $6 billion to the private health insurance industry. Isn't that social security Income for those who've got disposable income, enough disposable income to buy private health insurance. Then you've got dividend imputation, where you receive a tax deduction for owning shares while you don't actually pay any tax. Isn't that a social security benefit for those who've got the money to invest in the stock market? So next time one of these bludgers and they are bludgers, and I, you know, I'm free to admit I'm one of these bludgers. I'm forced out to take out private health insurance. You know, well, I'm not forced. That's my choice. But you know, they open their mouths about welfare bludgers, dull cheats, and all these, you know, low lives that make up such a big part of our community. Well, explain to them how they are the bludgers because they are the ones who are benefiting from this legislation and all this government money, which is your money, which is, you know, uh, which comes through taxation revenue. And I'm not even talking about the corporate bludgers who legally pay no tax or minimal tax. I'm not talking about them. I mean, you have a bank in Royal Commission, business as usual, ka-ching, 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 they talk about culture when it's structural. Change the board members, same story, same situation. Think about it. Think about it. So who are the welfare cheats, eh? The dull bludgers. Well, all those people who've got disposable income who could look after themselves, who are using government money, taxpayers' money, to augment their lifestyle. Listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Now, I've actually noticed 
you know, I've been involved for about 30 years in a campaign to have a national disability insurance scheme because it, the nature of my work highlighted to me on a daily basis the inequalities between people who had a disability which they were born with or a disability they acquired through a medical issue or a disability they acquired through a non-compensatable accident and those people who were covered by Work Cover and Transport Accident Commission. I mean, this is my work. I still continue to work in that field and I could, you could see the inequalities. And I was pretty excited about the National Disability Insurance Scheme and I'm still excited about the National Disability Insurance Schemes. And obviously there are a lot of teething problems. But why are there teething problems? One, it's been, it's been made unnecessarily bureaucratic by the government, not by the bureaucrats who administer the scheme, by the government, to try to shake people off the scheme, make it so complex they don't, like, you know, they don't apply or they can't find an advocate to apply on their behalf. But more importantly, the National Disability Insurance Association has a staff ceiling placed on it. Now, over the next two years, they have to process 460,000 applications because of the latest projections of people who will be required to go on to the National Disability Insurance Scheme. So there is a bottleneck. You have a limited number of staff because the government has put a ceiling on the amount of staff that can be employed by the authority to access applications. And you've got this huge rush of people who are trying to put in their application before applications close. So obviously the staff are under a great deal of pressure. Not only do they have to follow this bureaucratic format that's been created to act as a a disincentive for people to apply to go on the National Disability Insurance Scheme, it becomes increasingly difficult to actually process the number of applications. So what do you think somebody with half a brain, sorry, somebody with 1%, with one, one functioning neuron would do? Well, maybe you would put something in the budget that would lift the ceiling on the number of people that can be employed to process these applications. Because once these applications are processed, it'll be an orderly flow of applications as people are born with disabilities or acquire disability. There won't be 460,000 applications within a two-year period. So you think there'd been a little bit of budget leeway to employ a few extra, some staff to deal with this backlog of applications, to deal with all the issues that arise from people being... um, assessed in a uh, very quick fashion. No. No. Because this government never wanted the National Disability Insurance Scheme in place. They never wanted it in place. And grudgingly, they have ensured that there is some funds for it after this budget period. But... They're not willing to correct the bottleneck. Who knows? Now, those of you who are listening to the anarchist world this week in the city of Melbourne 
on Wednesday the 9th of May in the year of our Lord and Lord S 2018, will know there's a Defend and Extend Public Housing rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House at midday today. So what's our main demand? Our main demand is very simple. This particular movement currently is restricted to Victoria, but it should be, hopefully, in the future, in every state in America. Our current demand is very simple. We want to reserve Victorian stamp duty receipts for public housing. So if we reserve Victorian stamp duty receipts for public housing, you can house one million Victorians in public housing by 2029, okay? Within a decade, you could house one million Victorians, which would be about 15% of the population in 2029. That's just my... But was there anything in the budget about public housing? No. Was there anything in the Victorian state budget about public housing? No. Because all the major political parties have washed their hands of public housing. They've outsourced that responsibility to the private sector through the community and social housing sector. You outsource your responsibility as a government to provide a necessary resource, a roof over somebody's head. You want to decrease crime. You want to increase educational outcomes. You want to create community. You want to incre- you know, decrease friction within society. Well, then you put some energy into housing people who can't get housing, who can't buy housing through the private sector because of the investment-friendly laws, which means that the private housing market has basically become a casino which is dominated by people with disposable income who land, you know, they land bank. They buy an apartment, close the door, wait for the prices to go up. Bingo. Don't even bother to rent it out. Why rent it out? Extraordinary. So if you want a a drop in property prices... You want to be able to enter the private housing market. You want your kids, you little baby boomer types, you know, have a little bit of stability in their lives apart from, you know, casual part-time, uh, poorly paid work and you want them to have a roof over their head. Maybe you should be thinking about making public housing an issue at the state level and the federal level. It's one thing getting pensioners giving pensioners monies and, 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 and invest and taking part of their home in return. It's another thing creating a viable public housing sector which is based on the concept of purchasing properties across the state or across the nation. Simple idea. Reserve stamp duty receipts for public housing in Victoria. House one million Victorians by 2029. So interested in the public housing debate, you got the time. Join us at the rally on the steps of Parliament House today, midday to about 1.30pm. Open microphone, um, Wednesday the 9th of May. And if you're interested, go to the uh, Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing, because public housing is everybody's business. Like a strong social security net with no holes in it, 
everybody's business. Having a taxation system which doesn't have holes in it, which allows people with wealth to legally escape paying taxation and being part of this society, everybody's business. And if we don't make it everybody's business, it will continue to be an issue in this country. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Now, I'm interested in the concept of empathy. Empathy. And being an old bloke, been around a few years, a few decades, I have noticed a difference in empathy. And the federal government knows that empathy is a very dangerous thing. And that's why they've pulled... They've left no stone unturned in our ability to actually recognise who the asylum seekers of Manus Island and Nauru are. Because once you've got pictures and stories, you know, you create a bit of empathy. So I'm thinking of... There seems to be... A loss of empathy in the community. And a lot of people say, oh, it's the trolls, it's the trolls in the World Wide Web. Obviously, being able to comment anonymously does give people a little bit of courage. Fake courage, obviously, because when you see them, you can, you know, you can spit in their eye. So you've got your trolls, right? They work on the anonymity anonymity principle, and that's been going on for years. Not an issue. But there is something deeper, deeper in our community, which goes much, much deeper. It's a little bit like, you know, you hating a particular group in the community, although you've never met any of them. And then when you meet one or two of them, your opinion shifts, changes. You develop empathy for their situation. Invite them to the barbecue down the back of the yard. You get their kids to play with your kids. Empathy. You know, you don't know any gay people, you meet a few gay people, you think, well, they're people. End of story. Good and bad, like any community. Empathy. So I think as human beings, as we've evolved, the concept of eye-to-eye contact or even voice-to-voice contact, has been a central feature of the way we have developed as a community. And it's not within our nature as human beings to be mass murderers. I mean, the armed forces around the world go to a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble, to, you know, beat that out of their soldiers. I mean, because it's very hard to get one human being to kill another human being, especially if you can see the whites of their eyes. I mean, this is what empathy is about. It's about being able to put yourself in the shoes of the fishermen, to walk a mile in their shoes. And you develop, this is what the concept of community is based on. But now, things have changed. We don't phone people. We don't have much eye-to-eye contact except, you know, fleeting glances on the streets. Much of human communication that occurs today, especially between strangers, occurs on the net, 
It's in the forms of words, not pictures. So this evolutionary concept of empathy we've developed in order to be able to live harmoniously with the people around us is slowly evaporating. Because although we have instant communication at our fingertips, we can talk to somebody at the other end of the world now and we can find out any fact and figure we like now. The ability to interact on a social level or in a community level has been lost. So we've lost this ability to have empathy. A very, very major development which goes a long way to explaining the lack of sympathy that people have with people they only communicate with on a virtual level. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Hey, hey, hey. Simple. Now, the oil and gas multinationals, now, we all love them. We all love them because they don't pay tax. What I love about Australia is I love Australia. I love it. I love it. I love living in this country. I was born in this country, so don't tell me to go home. I'd have to go back to Brisbane, and they're not particularly keen to do that on a long-term basis. Happy to visit. Nothing wrong with Brisbane, but, you know, my home's Melbourne these days. So not only, although we're a major gas exporter, we don't actually have enough gas for internal use, but the beauty is now that we actually don't even have enough oil. We've got about 23 weeks' reserve of oil in the country because of this just-in-time kind of economy we have. It's as if people have forgotten we're in Ireland and you've got to bring this shit across. But I'm more interested in tax. Now, there is some le- new legislation in the budget which will recoup $4.2 billion extra tax over the next four years from oil and gas multinationals. Now, why don't we use a royalty system? I mean, a royalty system is very simple. You charge a percentage of the profit that's made, on, or you put a charge on every litre of oil, every gram of uh, gold, every tonne of iron ore, which is extracted. It supposedly belongs to the people of Australia. It's supposed to be the Commonwealth because when you buy property, you actually don't have any legal... Uh, legal access to the stuff under that property. That belongs to the state. And the state gives these corporations, these large corporations, licences to mine and explore and exploit and then forgets to tax them. But what if you've got a royalty system? It's very simple. 10% royalty, 15% royalty, 20% royalty. You could have um, inspectors at the point of production so that they don't cheat. Ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. You'd have all the money you need for health care, public education, public infrastructure. It doesn't matter how many fancy accountants they have. You can't really hide the, the litres of oil you've extracted, the tonnes of iron ore you've extracted, 
the grams of gold and silver you've extracted, well, it's a bit easier in that situation. But what I'm saying is, why not reintroduce the royalty system? Say, fine, boys and girls, no tax deductions, don't pay tax, we don't care. But if you dig something up, you pay a royalty on it. Simple. It's done around the world. Why can't it be done in this country? It's supposed to be our commonwealth. You don't need, and so it doesn't matter how many fancy lawyers you've got, how many fancy pieces of legislation you've got, how many people you've got talking to the government's ears, you know, working in your behalf, ex-politicians working in your behalf. It doesn't really matter. A royalty is based on the concept that if you extract something from the ground, you pay a percentage. End of story. Simple. So instead of having all these magic tax avoidance scheme in the oil and gas industry, you pay a royalty, money comes back to the people of this country, we look after the basic needs of the family, the family, the Australian family, all those people living on this uh, continent, and um, you don't have to worry about a, you know, some fancy taxation system which multinational corporations can actually uh, skirt round. It's the same with a turnover tax. If you're a, a multinational corporation which provides a service, same thing. Ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. It's all very well chasing people in the black economy and making it illegal, you know, to uh, deal in amounts of cash greater than $10,000. It's another thing introducing the royalty system to ensure that the basic needs of human beings in this country are met. Now, the beauty about this budget, and I'll go back on the budget, the beauty is that you shoot the messenger. Now, I have made disparaging remarks about the Government Guild at ABC. And I'm almost sorry I've made those disparaging remarks because obviously the dumbing down of the content is a real issue. But there is still news and current affairs and there is still a little bit of pressure placed on politicians and the occasional corporate head who's willing to be interviewed, which is, you know, usually pretty unlikely. But it looks like the Australian Broadcasting Corporation is in for tough times. Not only is there an $84 million budget cut, reducing its budget over the next financial year to less than a billion dollars to $840 million, but more importantly, $43 million will be cut from the truncated news and current affairs section of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation budget. They've tried everything. They've had conservative, reactionary-friendly boards. They've introduced short-term contracts. They've changed middle management to such an extent that all you've got is middle management who's interested in promoting the status quo. They've tightened the rules where an Australian Broadcasting Corporation you know, broadcaster can't even say that Mr Tony Abbott has been the most destructive politician of a generation. They get hit over the hand for saying that. But now we come to the real business. News and current affairs in the government guild at ABC is still an issue. Still an issue. 
And guess what? Guess what? That's where the major cuts are. So the little bit of news and current affairs, which still exists on the uh, national broadcast and regional and the regional broadcaster and television, will basically go out the door because they don't want any criticism. And if you want to know where this push is coming from, it's coming from the Institute of Private Affairs. I will never use the word public to describe the IPA, the Institute of Private Affairs, who now hold over 25% of the seats, Liberal National Party seats in Parliament, members of the IPA, the Institute of Private Affairs. And we're pissed off at the Anarchist Institute and the Wednesday Action Group and the other little things that we're involved in, tiny, tiny little burrs under the IPA saddle. And in Melbourne, we will be doing an IPA month. That's right. We'll be outside their headquarters at 410 uh, Collins Street in Melbourne at 11.30am, starting on the 23rd of May for a whole month. Won't that be wonderful? And we've got this beautiful sticker which and beautiful posters which will go up about the IPA. Prickly on the outside, yellow on the inside. They like to kick heads. When people fight back, they run a mile. You know, they like to call the police when people are peacefully protesting outside their little offices. So think about it. Think about it. Who's setting the agenda? Who wants to destroy the Australian Broadcasting Corporation? Why do they want to destroy the Australian Broadcasting Corporation? Because it provides a little bit of independent analysis and puts a little bit of pressure on conservative and reactionary elements in our society. But, as I said before, they're trying to bleed it to death for a thousand cuts. Manipulate the board, change middle management, introduce short-term contracts, stop people saying what needs to be said, pretending, you know, and then, if all else fails, you remove the funding from news and current affairs. And if you don't believe me, if you think I make it up, look in the budget. And that's the beauty of uh, community radio broadcasting. Although many community radio stations depend on government's funding, the one that I broadcast from on the Community Radio Network, Melbourne-based Community Radio 3CR, is not dependent on government funding. And that means you say what you want when you want to say it. Now, the beauty about corporate capitalism, it rips everybody off. And it's good to see that many franchisees, people who buy a business from a corporation and expect that corporation to stand by them, are now describing their relationship as master-slave. Because franchises have been a big growth industry in small business. But they've been a total disaster for many medium and small businesses. Because the contracts which you go into with a franchise are totally, totally in favour of the person who you buy the franchise from. So we've got everybody now jumping up and down about the influence of corporate capitalism. You've got taxpayers. You've got wage earners. You've got people on social security benefits. You've got small business. How can you compete with a corporation that legally pays no tax while you're forced to pay tax? Think about it. 
think about the budget, think about the future. Uh, don't forget, I still having the dinners every night, 6 p.m. Not every night, every Wednesday night, 6 p.m., Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant, 20 Smith Street, Collingwood, starts at 6 p.m., goes to about 9, 9.30 p.m. Welcome as long as you pay for your own food and drinks. It is an alcohol-free venue. So come along, unless you bring your own, obviously. So come along, 20 Smith Street, Collingwood, Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant, there tonight, uh, Wednesday the 9th of May. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Toscano. I've been hosting today's program. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can join public interest before corporate interest by downloading the application form from Pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net, Pibci dot net. The Victorian branch of public interest before corporate interests will be handing out defend and extend uh, public housing leaflets at the ALP State Conference, which will be held at the Mooney Valley Racecourse on the 26th and 27th of May. They're looking for people to get there at about 8am to help them distribute leaflets. So I'll talk more about that next week. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week and go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano, for the public. Don't forget about Marbo Day, the 3rd of June. I'll be doing a major feature on Marbo Day next week and the reason Marbo Day is important to so many Australians. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listening to The Anarchist World this week, next week. That number again, 0439 395 489. Useful web pages, anarchistmedia.org, pipsy.net. Useful Facebook pages, uh, Defend and Extend Public Housing, Toscano for the Public and uh, the uh, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest Facebook page. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week via your local community radio station. That email, anarchistmedia.org, anarchistage at yahoo.com. The address, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Listen to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds Oh, Lord, yeah.